The Owner's Box is part of the In The Money Podcast Network. You can always log on to inthemoneypodcast.com where you can follow along. You can subscribe to the free newsletter. And not only do you have the Owner's Box, but also shows such as the Players Podcast, JK Plus One, The Matt Vernier Show, Red Board Rewind, Nick Luck Daily, Talk Racing to Me, In the Ring with Acacia Courtney, and Off Track with Maggie. So lots of great things to listen to. Just head over to inthemoneypodcast.com. Want to thank uh, sponsors LTN Global, which offers innovative TV production services that help racetracks raise their profile, bringing all the TV tricks they've learned from other sports to our wonderful sport of horse racing. LTN is a technology and production company that is helping racetracks create and distribute content at a high quality and a good value. And LTN offers distribution services to get tracks seen in more online and offline spaces than ever before. You can visit ltnglobal.com to learn more. God, you're good at that. I can read. Welcome to the Owner's Box. Now, here's Billy Koch and Michelle Yu. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Owner's Box. I'm Billy Koch, founder and managing partner of the Little Red Feather Racing Club. Joining me from parts unknown, probably somewhere in Southern California, is the great, the talented, the lovely Michelle Yu. Michelle? Yay! Welcome back. I don't know where you were, but Thank welcome you. back. You Mich- were gone. Michelle, yeah, you know what I did? I got my preak on. For, before we go into <laughs> I saw a picture of you with Belinda. Uh, let me tell you something. I had never really hung out with Belinda at all. Like, I didn't really, I just knew of her. I never, I don't even know if I ever met her until... The Preakness, and we had a absolutely wonderful time. I think she's great. Yeah. Um, I have to tell you, we sat and talked, and we talked about just, you know, racing and life, and, uh, you know, we didn't really get too deep, but we were laughing, and uh, I tell you what, her and her staff and Aiden and the crew and Jody, they put on quite an event. It was one of the most, it was one of the best horse racing events I've I've ever been to. Um, um, yeah, they Preakness does an excellent job always. Um, I'll say that having been there as like a, like a hospitality guest as like a horseman, the, I haven't been as like a, just a general public fan, but sure. the treatment that the horsemen get is second to none. I mean, the, one of the only other places I think that treats you that good is Canterbury park. Um, they just do such an excellent job and, you know, they were fantastic. I, they were hard, fantastic. It's hard on a, for an event of that scale to give everybody the attention that they need. Yeah, it was it was a great event. Uh, really, really fun. Uh, thank you to Aiden and, and his team and Belinda, of course. Um, she was she was great. It was great talking to her, and uh, um, I can't say enough good things about her. And uh, obviously, uh, the racing was tremendous that day. Uh, my handicapping, as usual, was horrific, and I'm embarrassed <laughs> about it. But uh, I'm sure you you had a couple of great winners. I'm positive about that. And um, and, and we move forward. Uh, and we're going to have a great show because we have the winning owner from the Preakness, which will be our number one things of note, three things of note. Uh, John Fradkin is going to join us. Right, Michelle? Yay. Yes, he is. Now, the funny thing is we've been trying with John for weeks now. And it just so happens Michelle booked this amazing guest today so we'll find all about uh john and his breeding operation and how he got into the game just coming up in a minute as soon as we finish our three things of note number one michelle i, wait, wait, I have to oh. say two things about that first okay. of all is that uh he he told me one day when i was like please please come on our show this is like post el camino real but much before preakness obviously sure he was like you know i was thinking about it but then You've had people like Gary Barber and Jimmy Bell, and I just don't stack up to those. I'm like, but we need someone from every walk of life. Like, yes. that's the whole point of our show. Like, you know, you are a Cinderella-type story, so it was awesome. But he was still skeptical, and I have to give Aaron Hess big thanks because he uh, pushed the envelope for us to, to get John on. All right. Well, thank you, Mr. Hess. We appreciate it. Number one, three things of note. The Preakness Stakes. Rombauer. What a good, hey, how'd you like how'd you like uh, Larry Colmus's call? I don't know if I heard Larry Colmus's call. Oh, you call. didn't? He did you remember what he did last summer with Rip City? When he went Rip City. Oh, yeah, yeah. He did it with Rombauer. He goes, and Rombauer. <laughs> it was pretty good. It was good. I liked it. It's very good. And, I have to go watch it. Well, congratulations to the Fradkins. Congratulations to Michael McCarthy, no longer called Whitey. 
very emotional speech afterwards. And you know what? We said it. I think we said it two weeks ago. Flavian Pratt is now on the national stage. Would you agree with that, Michelle? How is he not? He's won a Kentucky Derby and a Queens play. How is I he know, not on but the he never. Stage? But I don't. I don't think that was enough. I think this race pushed him. I think what he did on Derby Day and what he did over the weekend in the Preakness. I think now he is up there. Now you know he's not Irad Ortiz level, or you know. But I think he's up there, and I'm proud of him. I got to tell you, I'm proud yeah. of him. I'm Can happy. Can I tell for you him. what made a huge difference? We thought talking about it is that like the three eighths pull. Flavian starts to like get after Rombauer left-handed. You know, he's coming from a jurisdiction where we can't whip a lot. And I think that the extra encouragement early got him rolling. And then when those horses were tired, his momentum was kicking in. Yeah, really was. It was, it was a really cool race. It was really fun. Uh, I was, I was hanging with Pete Rotundo, my good friend, Pete. He loved Rombauer all day. He did very well. So congratulations to Pete. I know there was a lot of Rombauer fans out there especially a California horse. What a shock coming in again. You know, does California get enough credit, Michelle? West is best, my friend. West West is best. It really is. West is best. So that's the number one story. And we are coming up with John Fradkin, the owner and breeder of Ron Bauer. Oh, by the way, and I was with Carrie Brogdon last night. Oh, did you know I said hello? I did. Of course I did. And she was just telling me all the stories and the Rombauer and they were just going crazy. They actually bred the horse. at my. I mean, they didn't breed the horse, but they had the horse at Mockmar Hall uh, Mm -hmm. for, I think, the first almost year of his life. So uh, congratulations to everybody involved on a great victory and a very, very good Preakness, I would say. I'm disappointed. Uh, uh, Baffert, we don't even want to go there, do we? I mean, I thought that Medina Spirit ran a good race. He was obviously tired down the lane, having to go pretty quick early with tons of pressure. But Where was was Concert Tour? Well, like I've tried to tell you guys for the last, like, six months, Concert Tour is just not that good. And he doesn't like to be off the pace. So when everyone was like, they're going to send concert tour. And I was like, there's zero chance they send concert tour. They have Mike Smith on concert tour. They're not sending concert tour. You guys, he's on the outside. It's not happening. He's not sending clearing his stable mate and midnight bourbon to get to the lead. But we saw that concert tour in the Arkansas Derby when didn't get to the front. He was like, I don't want to play this game. He reminds me of my five-year-old. <laughs> and, if she can't win the race, she quits. And Midnight Bourbon uh, uh, ran very well, too, and was well-backed. I yeah. don't know if he ended up being the favorite, but he was for most of the weekend. So mm-hmm. um, congratulations to uh, Asmussen and the, the Winchell gang on Midnight Bourbon. Uh, point number two, Michelle. Point number two is a little bit of unfortunate news, I guess. Um some news out of New York. Uh, Linda Linda Rice's license has been revoked for three years, and she gets a fifty thousand dollar fine. A couple of years back, it was found out that she had been getting inside information from the race office about what horses are being entered in races, and the New York State Gaming Commission. Let's remember, this is not Naira. This is the New York State Gaming Commission that makes these decisions. Um, pretty much said this is not in sync with the integrity of racing and everything, and so this is what. Uh, what has happened. I'm sure they're going to appeal this, but this is what their ruling has been. Very good. Is that the end of point two? Or do we all want to talk about that Baffert can't run in New York either? Baffert can't run in New York, but it's not like he runs a bunch of horses in New York anyways. No. And I think we're just, do you think, I think people are getting tired of the Baffert story already. Do you? I mean, I talked to him today. I'm only going to say one thing. Yeah. Due process. Due process. Okay, moving on. Moving on. Point number three, because we don't want to bore our audience. And yet we have you on every week. <laughs> I, I, should that just be the end of the show? I'm just... <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> uh, I do feel tired today, I have to admit. Uh, the Preakness well, weekend and the sale, and I just flew back. Mm-hmm. It, it's 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 I, I am definitely uh, I'm 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 tired. I'm giving you that. So, but I'm not making excuses. I'm here. We have a great guest, John Franken, coming up, the owner and breeder of Rombauer. Uh, Michelle, what was point number three? Point number three is the sales going on at Phasing Tipton right now, and they are in fuego, my friend. Huge, huge, very strong, very strong. One point five million dollar horse yesterday. Woo! Several Quality big money. money plays. Uh, we bought a horse, Michelle, I think I was telling you about. We bought a really nice street boss colt uh, from Julie Davies. He uh, breezed 10 and 1. Beautiful breeze. Big, strong. Let's watch his breeze right you now. Watch it? Okay, you're going to watch his breeze live? Around. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. While we're on the air? 
Yeah, I'm watching it right now. Oh, this guy's going after him. Switch. Look at his, his action right here. Didn't he switch Lee's nice? Yeah. Oh, right here. Right inside like the 16th when he really gets floating. That yeah. was nice. Yeah. Yeah, floating. Ooh, and then he took the turns good. Uh, well, shares are available. So call Little Red Feather. Callrettfeather.com. I can't even do a commercial for myself. I didn't know that we could do that, but let's do it. Let's do it. Billy at littleredfeather.com. He's going to Mike Pipey in Southern California. Pipey. Hasn't Pipey had a great meet? Oh my gosh, he's crazy. By the way, nice page on your uh, cult here, too. Very nice. I think the second, there was a champion in the second dam. Try and catch me. Yeah. So, and certify. um, And then even just the, the siblings that are listed right here are good little. You know, money makers. Yep. Yep. Well, hopefully he okay. uh, comes to Southern California and does really well. What so are you going to name him? His name is going to be Elevado. With we have, an E? Yeah, Elevado. And we have, if you've known, uh, we bought a bunch of two-year-olds this year, and we've named them all after street names in Beverly Hills, California, which is where my oh. business partner Gary and I grew up. So we have Elm Drive. We have Weatherly. We have Oakhurst. We have Roxbury. We have Benedict Canyon. And now we have Elevado. I like it. It's cool. It's kind of a fun theme for this year. It is very nice. I like it. All right. You know what we're going to do? Because I know people don't want to listen to us, especially you've (laughs) just called me boring. So um, (laughs) we're going to get John Fratkin on the line, and we'll be right back. I'm here with Travis White from TaylorMade Stallions. And Travis, what an exciting time for TaylorMade sales. Oh, Things are going really good right now, Billy. Uh, Midnight Storm wrapped up a great sale down at OBS. Uh, not this time, he just continues to uh, produce runners uh, week after week. Uh, and in the sales, he still continues to do very well. And M. Shawwash is represented by his first starter in the Kentucky Derby this year. Travis, we still have time to get your mares booked. Who do they call? You can call me anytime. My cell phone number is 859-396-3508. Or feel free to email me at twhite at taylormadestallions.com. Exciting times ahead for all the TaylorMade Stallions. Back on the owner's box and a very, very special guest, John Fradkin, the owner, breeder, with his wife, Diane, of the Preakness Winter Rombauer. Congratulations, John. Thank you, Billy. Um, yeah, uh, we had a good weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say you did. Now, normally at this point of the show, I would just go start blabbing and, and tell you how amazing the experience was. And I was there, by the way. It was a fantastic day. Uh, but Michelle has been so excited and been trying to get you on the show for sh- so long. I'm letting her run with the interview. So, Michelle, I'm turning it over to you. John, thank you again for coming on the show. And I, I can't wait to hear your stories. Michelle, go. Hi, John. Okay. Thanks Hi, so Michelle. much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. I'm sure you're tired of seeing oh, no my problem. name in your inbox. Uh, no, no, no. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think we did the right thing, you know. I've been kidding around with Michelle that I said, no, I can't come on your show because I haven't done much and I don't want to offend the racing gods. And uh, I can only come on your show when we've done something worth talking about. Well, and you so did so, You did something. racing gods of uh, <laughs> Yeah, the, yep. I think the racing gods are giving us the thumbs up on this one. <laughs> All right. It's only because you gave them that ultimatum, right? Uh, I want to start right. with, with day one, John. How would you get into horse racing? Well, um, I worked uh, with a guy who, uh, his name is Robert Allen. And I suppose you could say he taught me how to handicap. And um, he grew up near Santa Anita. And we found ourselves working together. We were both... Uh, institutional bond salesman for a crappy little company in the late 80s and it you know we kept kind of east coast hours and uh, we're done by two o'clock so uh, you know it's kind of wall street hours and you know we're young guys looking for something to do in the afternoons and as we got to know each other he said well john you're real analytical i think you like the horse races let's go to santa anita i think we went to delmar actually the first time and, I um, mean, he taught me how to read a racing form. And uh, I guess I did, I was okay as a student. And, uh, you know, we had some fun, made, went two or three times. And then he said, hey, he called me Fratkin. Hey, Fratkin, I hear there's this, this handicapping tournament in Las Vegas. Let's go. So we did. I think it was called the World Cup of Handicapping or something like that. It was at Caesars Palace. And uh, we went out there. And man, that was an experience. Um, so they had the, this gigantic uh, banquet room, you know, and kind of banquet seating of like 10 people. And you sort of randomly, you know, got placed where you 
or wherever. And uh, we uh, sat at this really cool table and met some really interesting characters. And, you know, and racing is all kinds of characters. We're all characters, right? Oh, yes, but, we, uh, yes, we Rob, are. Rob, <laughs> yeah. Especially so Michelle. Robert Allen and I, we, did, we found that uh, we shared an entry. I forgot what the entry fee was, but whatever it was, we shared it. And we, we, we fought like cats and dogs. It was embarrassing. We couldn't agree on anything. And um, <laughs> we, we, did, we did pretty shitty, you know. But what was interesting was, uh, well, a couple things, but the characters at our table. One guy was this kid from Chicago, and he was a total long shot player. And he almost won the tournament. You know, I think he finished second. His name was Steve something. I don't remember his last name. Another character at the table was a, was a bookie professional bookie from Boston and um, he was an interesting guy too he knew a lot of the people in the room and he was just kind of being there to check in with friends and he was quite a bit older than us and I noticed the way he gambled he didn't even look at the form he just looked at the tote board and where where there was action you know when horses were bet down more than they should be he he'd make the bet there and he did quite well making money but he, you know, he wasn't really playing in the tournament. And uh, so make a long story short, um, we did horrible in that tournament, but I learned a lot and had a lot of fun. And uh, I continued to play in that tournament for the next several years. And uh, Robert Allen never went back, but I went back literally, you know, I think they had the tournament like, I don't know, once or twice a year. And I, I went every time. And they had two divisions back then. They had uh, the main division where you pretty much had to play long shots. And they, they had this kind of wimpy division called the consistency division, which uh, you had to pick winners. And uh, you got like nine plays the day, and you had to just – you had like seven tracks to pick from. So, I don't know, seven times nine, there's like 63 races to pick from. You get nine picks, and it doesn't matter what the odds are. You're just trying to pick winners. And I think they gave you nine points for first and – um, four points for second and one point for third. And, you know, it didn't matter if the horse was one to five in a four horse field, you're playing that horse. I mean, that'd be like the perfect horse to play because that horse is probably going to win. He's probably going to, you know, he's going to score points for you. So it's kind of, it was kind of weird, but it was a really subtle side of the tournament actually, because if you look at the card, everybody's going to be playing like the same five races. And it really got down to the other four, you know, because you're all playing the short fields with the big gigantic favorites. And then you're, you're searching for those other, you know, races, there's going to be subtle differences. And that division didn't pay as much as the long shot division, but it was still interesting to me. And I found that was my strength. And so I never won the damn thing, but I finished second four times in a row. And, um, I think my total winnings were like, I don't know, 35 grand or something off those second place finishes. And um, basically that division is like process of elimination. You know, you're comparing races and trying to find the easy race. And uh, I suppose I've continued to kind of think that way. And in my multi-race bets, you know, I'm where you're always comparing races and trying to pick the easiest race to go narrow in. You know, that's kind of what another one of my, you know, I've done a lot of that that way. But anyway, going back to 19, you know, mid nineties, I decided that this is an interesting game. I like it. I like the analytical stuff. And, um, but I don't really know much about the, about the inside. And I thought, you know, what if I claimed a horse? I was making reasonable money back then. And I thought, um, and I, you know, I had, I had these wings from this tournament. I thought maybe if I claimed a horse, I would learn about more about the game from the inside and maybe, maybe there'd be some edge to that. So that's what I did. And I, you know, decided on Ron Ellis as um, my trainer, met him and, you know, put up some money and actually, he actually cut me a pretty good deal. And, um, uh, we, um, tried to claim several horses and, um, we got out shook uh, like three or four times. Then finally, I think it was June 24th, 1993, um, we decided to claim this old warrior named Ruff Ombre in a $25,000 claim. I remember uh, Ruff. I remember Ruff Ombre. Do you? Oh yeah. yeah. He, he was, was decent. Oh, he was. He was, decent. was. He was. He was tough as nails. 
Yeah, he had run, you know, buyers over a hundred, and yeah, you know, he had made a couple hundred thousand. But you know, he was at the tail end of his career. So anyway, we dropped, and he, of course, finished dead last in the race. And of course, that day we didn't get outshook. We got him. Of course, and, um, of course. So had a, yeah, of course. So Ron said he had a big ankle on him, and you know, but he thought he could maybe, you know, get him back to the races. So he uh, took a couple months, and he did get him. And we dropped him to 20 and ran it. It was uh, in August, and uh, he won. You know, my first your race first ever. start, you won. What? That's sick. Yeah, that's how the racing guys suck in, right? So you were hooked. So, yeah, you were hooked at that point. You're like, I can do this. I'm a genius. Wow. Yeah, this is easy. You know, <laughs> easy game. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Lafitte Pinkai was up, and he wired the field. He won pretty easily, actually. So that's the good news. Did Ron tell you that this is not how it normally happens? Uh, he didn't have to. I knew that. <laughs> but uh, but sure enough, he came up with a problem um, after the race, and it was uh, it was basically a fractured sesamoid, and he oh. never ran again. Oh. So we retired him. We did find him a good home. Um, but uh, before we retired him, you know, you know, when I was. We were still thinking this is an easy sport. And by the way, I was engaged then, but we weren't married yet. And uh, we decided to take a, a trip to uh, Kentucky and go to the uh, September Keeneland Canal and maybe buy something. And uh, stop me if I'm boring you, because I've told this story so many times recently. No, I've never heard it. I haven't uh, heard the story yet. No, I haven't heard the story. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Keep going. So, okay. So, um we went to Keeneland and I had a few phone numbers of bloodstock agents and uh, we called a really nice gentleman named uh, Larry Richardson. And uh, Larry was working as bloodstock agent. He had previously been a um, racing manager for Nelson Bumper Hunt. And uh, so he knew what he was doing and a really nice guy. And, you know, I think we met him for breakfast and he took us over the sale. So it was just some arbitrary day of the sale. I don't know when it was kind of the middle. But it might have been towards the end. I don't know. And he walked us around and just started showing us horses and, you know, teaching us about confirmation. And um, so I remember when he was teaching us what a, a straight front end looked like. We were on this gray filly. Um, and I didn't realize at the time, yes, she was correct on her front end, but she was also tiny. <laughs> and uh, so she Nothing was tiny, wrong with skinny. Little. And it, yeah, we like, we, and we don't mind. Jersey little. bread. Oh, there you go. Oh. Yeah, well, I don't mind uh, little either. Uh, now, so anyway, now. Um, you know, I, I didn't really think we'd buy her. I, you know, I knew I knew the stud fee on a fleet was uh, twenty five thousand, and I figured, well, it'd be kind of fun to bid. You know, we'll just fool around a bid. And very first bid was uh, me at ten thousand five hundred, and I'm sure I was the only bid. And uh, the, the reserve was probably ten thousand, and you know, we got her. And uh, so. That was a, that was enough fun for that. I didn't want to buy anything more. I, really I liked it, by the way. Wait, wait, hold on one second. I liked that you went with the hook on your first bid, the five hundred, rather than to go to eleven thousand. Genius. That's analytics. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Um, so anyway, we uh, you know shipped her back to California. We did the you know breaking the training thing. Phil uh, Lambert did that, if you remember her. Yeah. And. Um, Ron Ellis didn't like her, but, uh, you know, we did run once, um, and it was actually a, a memorable experience for another strange reason. So the clockers captured her last work very wrongly. And, um, you know, this might've been an inside scam type deal that happened. But anyway, they caught her work in like one twelve. And Ron said it was more like 115. And uh, we went off as a favorite. And uh, I think it was a maiden 32, but oh, there's, nice. no way she were, there's no way she should have been favored. And she was. And, uh, you know, the insiders knew. And somebody, and I'm not sure who it was, but it might have been Gary Young, said he had, had one of his best days ever that day, betting against her. There you go. <laughs> that's, the, uh, that's what we like to hear. Right, when you have faulty yeah. information that the the public has bad information somehow. 
Yeah. But that's, yeah, Um, that's, that's, that's a crazy story. That's so it went now. This was, so you had the one horse, you go to the sale, you buy this horse, this is horse number two. And this is, we're, we're getting closer to the, the, the dam of Rombauer, I imagine in this, in this story somewhere. Okay. I'm looking forward to that. This horse was named ultra fleet and you know, she's fairly famous right now. Yes, she is. Anyway, to be fair, she was famous in California a while back. Yeah, so Ron hated her, and he didn't even want to take her down to Delmar. You know, he said, this this horse needs to go up north. And he was probably right, but, you know, I wasn't willing to, you know, do that yet. I mean, Delmar is kind of my home track. I was looking forward to, you know, running at Delmar, and, you know, I didn't want to do that. I go, I want to try her at Delmar at least once, but he didn't want to take her. So, you know, basically we parted ways and on good terms, but I hired somebody else to train her. And that was actually Paul Assenese. So The oh, barn loves him. The barn loves him. Yeah, the barn loves him. And I think Paul was coming off a great meet, maybe his best meet ever at Hollywood. And uh, so anyway, uh, Paul Assenese got the horse. And, uh, you, know, you know, he talked to Ron and, you know, he talked to us and he knew all the stories. And when he got the horse at Delmar, he didn't seem to hate her quite as much as Ron. And... Uh, he somehow talked Gary Stevens into riding her. And uh, so Gary Stevens rode her at Del Mar. And, you know, we didn't do very good. I don't know. He's, you know I think he might have finished. She might have finished sixth again. And, you know, long story short, she ran twice more uh, and never hit the board. And uh, we decided to retire her and make her a broodmare. And everybody said, well, that's ridiculous. I mean, you know, she ain't much to look at and she never hit the board. Why would you do that? You know, I don't know. What else are we going to do with her? Wait, so, you know what? I, the, uh, I'm going to say that same thing. That's ridiculous. What? Right, else, wh- yeah. Why would you do that? Go ahead. Answer it. There was no great reason to do that. There was right. no reason at all. Um, <laughs> but that's what we did. And and uh, so we made her broodmare, started breeding her, and we got lucky. I mean, that's all I can say. We got lucky. So um, we actually sent her to Kentucky, if you can believe that. And um, I think we bred to personal flag right yeah and uh then brought the horse back here and uh we had a relationship with high card ranch by then and um pulled a personal flag cow bred at high card ranch and then we started breeding to all the california stallions and um i think memo and the flags and anyway we got lucky and uh cambio corsa came along um Actually, there's a little more. If you want to hear more of the story, the first cow-sired horse was a little horse called Demo Memo. And um, we had her pointed, Sam Semkin did the early training, and we pointed her to, uh, I think, a Barrett's March sale, I believe. And um, Sam Semkin a great two-year-old trainer, by the way. Very good. I've known Sam for 100 years. I, wish, I just saw Seth yesterday at the I sale. Wish. Obviously, he buys horses, uh, works with Spendthrift and Wayne Hughes, but uh, yeah. we know all about yeah. Sam, so for sure. So, so you had Memo, what, Demo Memo? I kind of like that name. Yeah, so yeah, so she was a little horse, and uh, Mary Knight um, was our consigner, and there's a good little story there, too. So uh, she, the way Sam did things back then, he didn't really work on um, you know, he uh, two minute licked him a lot. He, you know, I, I, don't, I can't say exactly what he did, but when she got to the sale, um, Mary said, "This horse is never worked." And I, I, I don't think so. Sam said she's going to be fine, and she was she 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 said, "There's no way, you know, there's no way we can sell this horse if she's never worked." I said, "Well, just Sam says, you know, she's going to be just fine. You know, just go ahead." And so Mary worked her, and she worked like lights out, and. Uh, you know, during the official um, breeze, she was very fast. I think she was like the third fastest horse in the sale. And I think we worked her two furlongs. And there was some rumor that her one furlong split was like the fastest ever or something. And she was slowing down in the second half. I mean, it was, and she, it was a good work. That was the good news. Bad news is she didn't vet so good. She had some throat problems. And um, afterwards, uh, Mary Knight said, you know, this throat issue, I don't, I don't know if we can sell her now. You know, you might have to scratch. And uh, we got a few different veterinary opinions. And uh, 
And a couple of vets said, no, just run her through the sale and disclose it. And uh, so that's what we did. And we sold her for 8000 Jan Hawthorne, wow. who's now a good friend at the Hawthorne Spotter, and she ran, um, I don't know how many times, but she made it, I think she made over 100 grand. And so, uh, so that was I don't know, kind of a good story. Well, John, kind of. Quick, then, uh, John, real quick, I want to ask, uh, since you you started off with claiming horses, and then when you bought Ultraflate, and now you're kind of into the sales, was it your game plan all along to breed to sell? There's no game plan. Okay. <laughs> Back then. Um, Michelle, there goes your yeah, next I question. Mean, I, there's no. There's your next question. All right, wait a second. Yeah, there's there's no, no game plan. Game plan. There's... Back then, I don't think there was. But, yeah, I, I would say, I mean, at that moment in time, did I consider myself a commercial breeder? Probably not. But, um, yeah, we had some claiming horses with Wait, who partners. is in the background? Uh, my wife is. Who, is, she, is Diane in the That's background? That's my wife. Does she want to say she hello? Is. She is. Oh, yeah. She probably would like to say hello. Well, um, you want to say hello, Diane? Let me put you back on speaker. Okay, we got to go on speaker phone. We're we go. going to get Diane on the phone. We're going to get some. Listen, we we've just heard the history, and we're going to. We're Diane, are you there? Yes, I'm here. How Hi. are you? First Hi, of all, congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you it's, guys uh, both for coming. Sort of surreal. All right, so now we've heard this history, and I'm going to speed forward because we only have so okay, much time with idea. you guys. So I'm going to go ultra feet. Ultra Fleet eventually was bred to Cowboy Cal, made Cashmere, who is the dam of Rombauer. And I've read some stories about the breeding to Twirling Candy. John and Diane, this was this was really your idea. Yeah, uh, yeah I'd say so. And, I and, usually picked a stallion. And so you, you have uh, this. You, now, first of all, I also, Diane, uh, both of you, I was told to make sure that uh, Carrie Brogdon says hello. She's thoroughly enjoying your success. We really uh, enjoyed being at their farm and learned a lot during that short time. Um, they have a great perspective and a great program. So, yes. What do you, she's, what, she's a delight. Diane, wait, Diane, did John introduce you into horse racing or did you already know anything about it? No. When you guys... No. We, <laughs> we, neither one of us were around horses ever. So, we, this was a business we learned to do together handicapping, breeding, racing, everything. Who's a better handicapper? Mm, I have my moments. <laughs> who who created? Who's a better breeder? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> who created? Uh, wait, wait. Asking about her sex we're, we're... Oh, hey, hey, hey! Oh, wow. This is this is a kid show. We're this is a kid show. Engaged. Wait a second, I, Michelle's. I'm going to steal one of Michelle's qu uh, questions. Who created the pink who? silks? John did. I added the check. <laughs> really, John? You're you went with the pink. Was it like a Harborview Farm thing, or what? What was the what was the decision there? Uh, that was a popular color back then, man. Hot pink. It's still a popular uh, color. I, I guess I I kind of went with you know so you can see them. You know. Yeah. I figured someday I'm going to be old and I won't be able to see very well, and you'll be able to pick out those colors. So wait, where? Go what ahead, about Michelle. The name Rom. What about the names? Rombauer, Cambria Corsa. Yeah, we name all our babies. They're, they're well, not they just come from random thoughts or? Yep, 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 usually. Cambio Course is actually a pretty good story. So we had um, test drove this, uh, never bought it, but we test drove this car that was a cool-looking car back in the day, a uh, Maserati Quattroport, and it had a transmission called the Cambio Corsa transmission. And nice. that means... It means change of course, I'm, I'm told, in Italian. And uh, so anyway, that's where that name came from. And, you know, that, that horse can liked just, that downhill can I just course. Throw in, yes, oh, exactly. yes, she did. She loved that. It was, like, fortuitous. She was a six-and-a-half furlong specialist for our listeners out there, which at Santa Anita means that you go down the hill and you hang a right before you make the left-hand turn. So very cool name. And it just so happened to pan out perfectly. And 
Yeah. Oh, she was. Um, she was so fast. So uh, let's let's talk a little bit about. So you're at. You were learning. You you have this uh, very nice twirling candy. It's at Carrie Brogdon's farm at Mockmar Hall. And and what are, you know right away? We've had some people on the show. Um, in fact, we had. I think uh, Jimmy Bell a couple weeks ago. We were talking about essential quality, and he was like, "We just knew right away. He was just special." Was there something special about Ron Bauer? You can say. Um. You know. Yeah. So we went back uh, to Kentucky of his yearling year, and uh, it's probably September. You're probably back there for the sale. And, uh, you know, we went to visit all our horses at Woodstock Farms. And they had him, they pulled him out of the stall, and we're talking to Ben Berger there. They had this horse, and he was just kind of standing there. And we're chatting, chatting, and I realized, okay, that's a horse. And I looked at him, and it, it was just one of those things where it was like, wow, wow, impressive. And then they took him out in the paddock, and we got to see him run around. He just really sort of made an impression. And I, I remember thinking at that time, I go, this is the horse. This, this is it. I, I really thought that. She thought he had the look of eagles that day. We, we spent quite a bit of time with him in the paddock that day, and he seemed like a really intelligent horse. And he was spending more time with us than most horses do. He was just showing off. <laughs> He's a little that. show off. So the memorable day, and that was at Woodstock Farm, Ben Berger. Um, anyway, go ahead. So then before, um, okay, so fast forward is that you guys were going to sell him originally. So looking at him and saying he's got the look of eagles, were you just thinking we're going to sell because that's what we do, and you didn't even consider keeping him at that point? Or what made what made you go the decision that you wanted to try and sell him? Well, yeah, by then – you know, we, we were, we did consider ourselves commercial breeders and, um, you know, we, we don't really like running horses in general, you know, in general, we have run the ones that we couldn't sell. Um, so the whole reason that horse, we still own them is basically the COVID, the COVID thing pandemic helped us out, um, because that horse was with Eddie Woods in Ocala and he was being pointed to the, um, April OBS sale and, that sale got delayed. And uh, in March, Eddie Woods called and told me, you know, John, I've got no um, confidence that this sale is going to come off. And, um, you know, your horse is pretty nice, but uh, he might be more of a race horse than a sale horse anyway. Maybe you should just uh, run him and uh, try and sell him at the track, you know, after you win. You know, try to win early. Maybe you can sell him at the track. So, Knowing the family that uh, the first foal out of the mare, Kono, he won in his second start at Santa Anita. And then the next foal, Treasure Trove, he won in his first start at Oaklawn. So, you know, it, it had a history of being an early family. So we thought that was a pretty reasonable idea. And uh, put the horse in a van, shipped to uh, Santa Anita. Michael McCarthy got him, got him going. And, um, you know, the early, early reports really weren't that spectacular i was hearing he has no speed um but you know he's a nice mover and um you know he should be useful you know i was hearing useful <laughs> i no like speed. that useful not, not, not always really great what you want to hear. no speed and useful when you want to win early with a two-year-old right <laughs> so um we probably caught another lucky break when we had him entered in a five for a long race in june and um he popped an abscess and a hind hoof and uh you know, we had a scratch and that was probably a blessing in disguise. Um, so we got, you know, that healed up. And then, um, you know, Michael thought maybe we should run in one of the very first route races for two-year-olds. And he was entered in a um, first route, July 25th last year. And I don't know if you remember the race, but uh, I do. he won really I do really because really I impressively. picked him. Yeah, I remember it was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was down I at Del Mar, I remember. I did like the name. But you know what? Why? It was because I watched his first race. I'm like, I think that horse is going to run better long. And uh, Jay Privman had wrote about him in his, like, Del Mar Babies to Watch article. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's where yeah. I remember seeing him at was the Del Mar Babies to Watch article. And Jay had done yeah. really well with those horses. They had all run super good. Um, so I was like, oh, this could be another one. And wasn't he, like, double-digit odds? Yeah. yeah, I think he paid thirty five yeah. bucks or something. Yeah, I yeah. was like, oh, I'm just gonna bet oh. this horse thanks to Jay Privman. There you go. 
Yeah, I wish I had bet him. I didn't bet him. <laughs> so, right? Well, we let's, him. let's flash forward a little bit more because obviously he goes on. He wins the El Camino Real Derby. That's your free uh, shot at the Preakness. But, and I'm going to go to John on this. You, you had a, you've been pretty vocal. You had a pretty big decision to make. There were a lot of people who said, hey, well, just outsiders, obviously. You bred the horse. You own the horse. You make the decisions. You're an owner here on the owner's box. Thank you. Um, and you, this horse qualified for the Kentucky Derby. He could have run in the Derby and you chose not to. That is a very, very difficult thing to do. I would do. like to jump in with a quote that Billy said. Anybody that qualifies a horse for the Kentucky Derby is absolutely going to run. No way they pass by the Kentucky Derby. I said that? Yeah, when we were talking about concert tour. Oh, okay. Well, John, tell us about that decision because you know we don't know right or wrong. Maybe he would have won the Derby. We don't know, but you chose to bypass it and go to the Preakness. What went into that decision? Well, I just didn't think his style um, fit the Kentucky Derby. I think, you know, there were 11 horses that passed that could have gone in the Derby. So, you know, this is not like it used to be. I think uh, owners are pretty savvy, and I'm not the only guy who's realized that uh, the Derby isn't what it used to be, and now it's super speed favoring. If you don't get to that first turn in the top three or four, you're not going to win the Derby. Um, No horse since uh, I think California Chrome, I think, you know, in the last seven or eight years, there's no horse that's won the Derby that's ever been further back than third at any point. Really? Wow. And, yeah. and um, I think the point system needs to be, I think they need, need to make some serious changes or this is going to continue to happen. Um, adjustments, let's call it. And I, I, I think what they ought to do is they ought to change the nomination fee uh, they had to move it up. Um, so it's currently $600. And, you know, everybody nominates, right? Well, say they move that up to $1,000. That's not going to make a difference. Everybody's still going to nominate. And they'll raise a ton more money um, because it's a pretty sizable number sure. of horses that, that nominate. And um, then they could afford to pay the horses that finish 6th through 20th. And um, right. I think if there was – very little financial risk in running in the race you would you would get the top 20 horses and um you know i think if 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 you're pretty sure you're not going to win the derby then why why go in the derby because you're just going to get the horse you know hot and dirty and it's going to compromise his chances for the rest of the year and um, yeah, it makes. So, it, I, I know, like, listen, it ma- it makes a lot of sense. But did you? But no one's ever that clever and like thinks it through. Everyone just like gets high on the aroma of the Derby. Well, I don't know about everybody. You know, I think I think I think there's more people than you think that think like like I did. Like okay. I said, eleven horses chose to not go. Right. But the clever thing, I mean, you're right. You know, I'm a handicapper first, a breeder second, and an owner last. And so I think like a handicapper and, you know, handicappers, you know, we, we try to be more clever than the next guy. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how you, uh, you got to think outside the box and think a little differently than, than everybody else to survive and, and, you know, make a little money and uh, you know, it's not easy, but I, I I guess that's sort of my nature is I want to think, I want to be a little clever and, and do things a little differently. And quite frankly, I've been managing the horse like he's a top 20 horse but not a top five horse. Okay. And, um, you know, that now that's changed. I mean, that Preakness performance was something else. It surprised me. I knew he was going to run really well, but I didn't know he was going to run that well. So when you, when you, <laughs> top five horse, and we'll right. be managing a little differently going forward. When you went to bed that night and you were about to close your eyes, and I'm sure, I'm assuming it was pretty late, and I'm assuming you were exhausted, but you were also had massive adrenaline and energy. Did you for one second say, Ooh, maybe I should have run in the Derby. Uh, no, not one second, not one like little. No, because then he said I made the right call. I know. I was just trying. I just wanted to know because I would have said that for sure (laughs) to myself. No, I really really didn't. (laughs) Thank you, Diane. I I hear you back there, Diane. Well, no, I have to say, at before the Derby, after the Derby, we both said we had no regrets, and even after the Preakness, we said the same thing. That's awesome. But, you know, also, I mean, that's the way we feel. But I got to say, you know, you got to, 
you got to be able to change your opinion, and you know, as the facts change and as the data accumulates, right? So, like I said, we were managing like he's a top 20 horse, but not a top five horse. And now it looks like he is a top five horse. And, uh, you know, that, you know, he ran a 102 buyer. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I haven't seen the thoroughbred number yet, but it might have been negative one. So he improved dramatically. I didn't see that coming. I thought he would improve, but not that much. Sure. So, yeah, you, yeah. I mean, it's probably it wasn't that night, but maybe in the last day or two, I can see that you know, if, wow, if he really ran a you know negative one or a you know one or two buyer in the Derby, you know, yeah. uh, perhaps the chances of him winning. See, were Michelle. So, so now, now you so you ha, you said you have been managing him as a as a top twenty horse, and now he's a, a top five horse. Does that mean instead of thinking like Indiana Derby, Ohio Derby, you're thinking Belmont Travers? Yeah, I guess I guess at this moment in time, yes, that that would be totally correct. All right, okay. we we got to know. Wait, Michelle, because we we with we got to talk about the experience of the day. Um, leading up to the day, were you guys as impressed as the the Preakness as I was, as the way they they handled everybody and how the the tents and everything that was there? I thought it was magnificent. Yeah, they did a fine job. The hospitality, Sean, was really cool. You know, having that steaks barn where it is and adjacent to the tent with the free food and nice place to hang out and watch the races, very cool. And you know, they provided us with a driver and a car. Oh, nice. That was really nice. All right, I got to ask Diane. So we're at the three ace pole. We're turning for home. You're in a perfect spot. You're starting to roll. The two front runners are, are out there in the clear. What kind of was there screaming, snapping, yelling, jumping? What was happening at that point? Can you take us through it? The the, the last uh, three ace of a mile. Sure. So um, we're coming around the turn. It's like, wow, he's he's in a good spot here. You know, we might get third. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then, then we, you know, we make the move turning for home into the stretch. And it's like, he's picking it up. Look at this. Then we're coming closer. And it's like, wow, he, he's getting up there. He might, he might go by. Oh, my God, he's going to go by. Holy shit, You said, holy shit, he's going to win. That was the line? Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's I love great. That. Well, were you guys screaming, jumping up and down, or oh, in yeah. well, Mike said, I don't know if Mike we're said jumpers, he couldn't even but we're, speak. We're yellers. I was yeah. definitely yelling. Yeah, I was definitely yelling. I think we both were. Are you yelling? You kind of get in that zone, so you don't really notice anybody but yourself. Right. It's that weird I usually zone. yell for the jockey. Come on, Flavian. You know, keep him going. And you know, Flavian is such a great guy, and that was such a great ride. I mean, in my mind. In my mind, he's the top jockey in the United States right now. And yeah. um, he's got such a good clock in his head. And I got to tell you, before the race, I don't know if you saw how wound up Rombauer was, but it could have gone so wrong so easily. I mean, he could have he could have literally fucked, dumped Flavian off and run down the track. And, I mean, it was – he was – he was a handful and um, I'm glad we got through that. I was, that was probably uh, the two most nervous times for me during that day were watching that. And then after the race, when they, they wanted me to lead the horse into the winter circle. And it's like, I don't know anything about horses. (laughs) Mike McCarthy, Mike, get over here, please. Where's his groom? Yeah. I I know, I know which end you feed the carrot to and which end you stay out of the way of. That's about the extent of my horsemanship. So uh, that was a little nervous. Michelle, I know you had one more question. What's that? Where's the woodland vase going? Do you have a spot picked out for it? We have a room in the back of our house in the backyard that is sort of a media room and it's got the winter circle photos and an array of horse paraphernalia and it's going to go out there i have to tell you i never really thought we would run in a big classic race but i've always been enamored with the preakness just the history the woodland vase painting the weather vane i was always just so 
impressed by that. So it's just really unbelievable. It really is. It is. It is truly unbelievable. Uh, John and Diane Fratkin, for, uh, thank you for taking the time to come on the show today. One last question, because... Um, and John, I'm going to throw this to you because you, you're 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 very analytical. We could tell you started handicapping. We've gone through that story, but this is uh, the owners' box, and it's about owners, and it's about hopefully Michelle and I set out to get new owners into the game, and they listen to these shows, and they like hearing all these stories, and especially some of the stories that you told, which were fantastic. If there's one bit of a piece of advice though that you would give to a, to an owner that, that's possibly get going to get in the game, what would you tell them? I would say claim a horse and not a cheap one. Claim something between 40 and 62.5. That's where the best value is. You're going to get a race horse and instant action. And uh, that horse is probably fairly sound. And in my mind, there's not that much difference between stakes horses and uh, high-end claimers. You know, that, that mm-hmm. they rotate back and forth. And there's been some... There's been quite a few exceptional claims at 40000 and up over the years. So that would be advice number one. And uh, advice number two is if you're going to do the young horse thing, which is an exceptionally bigger gamble, but I would steer them towards two-year-old sales, and I'd look for the little horses that move well. And you try and find a Rombauer at a two-year-old in training sale. I think that's – Because for some fair. reason, everybody loves, everybody loves big and pretty. And, uh, you know, the small horses uh, are where the value is. My, my grandfather always said it's not a beauty contest. Uh, John and Diane Fratkin, thank you very, very much. Congratulations. On to the Belmont, I assume? Yes? Yeah, he's in New York. He's already there. Fantastic. I just got back from Maryland. Yep. How do I know these things? I don't read the daily racing form ever. Uh, well, guys, congratulations. Yeah, and, and, uh, and And enjoy it. And, and I think you guys have the right perspective and, and uh, appreciate the time today. Okay. Well, thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Best of luck. Congratulations. John and Diane right. Fratkin here, owners and breeders of Rombauer on the owner's box. Michelle, thank you for setting Yay. that up. That was fantastic. Really, really appreciate it. You did I'm a great job. I'm glad Diane came on too. She was funny. She does what I do. Like when Ryan's on the phone, I stand in the background and I like tell him what to say. <laughs> I, I was, I heard that. It was very, it was kind of cute. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. We've, we've, we've gone on. Uh, John told some amazing stories, so we're just going to cut it short. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you to all of our sponsors and, and to um, the, uh, in the media, in the money media podcast network. What do we call it, Michelle? I always screw that up. In the Money Media Network. In the Money Media Network. There's great shows on there. Go listen. Thanks to uh, Travis White and TaylorMade. By the way, Midnight Storms, two more sold today. I think it was 170 and... Three something, 320, right? I saw I think. one. Yeah. Yeah, they both worked very well at the Timonium sale. So Midnight Storm continues. Uh, not this time, I think, sold well as well for the TaylorMade Stallions. And special thanks to uh, John and Diane Fratkin, of course, owners and breeders of Preakness winner, Rumbauer, as Larry Colmas would say. Michelle, you're the best. We're going to do it again next week. I will be home next week. I will see you this weekend, Michelle. You mean in California? Yes. Oh, welcome back. I'm very excited to see you and your whole family and all my Southern California mates. So uh, enjoy the week, and uh, we'll be back next week with another special guest here on the Owner's Box. Welcome to the Owner's Box. Now, here's Billy Koch and Michelle Yu.